0: You're listening to Future Tense, the AI show that demystifies the world of artificial intelligence and tells you what you need to know. Join Jeff Joyce and Julia McCoy live right now. Hello, hello, everybody.
1: Hello, hello, folks. It is great to be here with you all. If you'd let us know in the comments where you're watching from, that's always lots of fun. I'm here in Austin, Texas. Jeff, where are you at right now?
0: I'm currently in South Carolina for now.
1: (laughs) Where are we both moving to?
0: Scottsdale, Arizona.
1: (laughs) Arizona or bust. So that is not our hometowns as of a few weeks later. (laughs) But we're so excited to have you all here with us during our first ever episode for Future Tense. And we kind of wanted to kick off by telling you the story of the show. So I started in Constant Scale last January. This is actually my one-year anniversary this week. Jeff, when did you start? Because you were ahead of me a little bit.
0: Yeah, I started October 31st of 2022. So a little over a year. Halloween. Mm-hmm
1: yep (laughs) wow it was
0: spooky (laughs) ai can be spooky so
1: (laughs) your job as ai director you see a lot of spooky things that that actually makes a lot of sense
0: yes yes yes
1: (laughs) so you started last october well october before last because we're in 2024 and then i came in a few months later in january and you know as you and i got to work together and just we kind of hit it off right away And got to hang out in person, got to meet other members of the team, like Ben, got to work closely with our founder, Justin, you know, I began to search for a show. And I was in Apple Podcasts, I was in Google, I was in Spotify, looking for a show that could teach me all I needed to know about AI. And the only one good, the only one show I really liked that I came across was Paul Roadsters with, he runs Macon and Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute there's good stuff there. But other than that, I, I couldn't find anything. So right. all year, I wrote down on my whiteboard, I'm looking at it right over here. Like one of the vehicles I'm going to build to help us get nolan is going to be a show. And that whole year, it didn't work out. Like time and time again, as life happens, just like that, so very often, it just kept falling through. I had a co-host that we were going to do it together with, and this person went completely missing in action after saying they would do it. (laughs) So that happened. And then I suddenly got booked, because I never said no, on literally hundreds, over 120, so I guess not hundreds, but 120 different stages over that year, podcast stages, events, so didn't really have time. This year, as the year started, uh, one of the things that we did that was really memorable to me was we all got together in Austin. Was it, I want to say, is it, yeah, it was December, mid-December. And I remember being on the rooftop of our Airbnb. We had rooftop access, beautiful view of the Austin city skyline. And we were all sitting there talking about the future of how AI would forever impact society. And I mean, the things we were talking about were things that I feel like 99% of the population still isn't fully aware of how much AI will affect everything we do. And I mean, everything, whether it's we work as a service provider, we work online, I mean, the marketing agency, absolutely. But even like the house painter, (laughs) everyone will be affected by what's coming. And so as we sat there and talked, Um, You know, you raised points, Jeff, I had never heard of, which actually um, made me go and take action in my uphold account regarding some bit, (laughs) some Bitcoin. (laughs) So you influenced me to actually not only be aware, but to take action to prepare. And that's what I want. That's why 100% why I wanted to start this year by launching this show, because we want to bring that to people like you, people that are watching this going, just like I did all of last year, where do I go to actually learn and protect myself against what's coming? How do I pivot? How do I adapt? And how do I get ready? So that's what Future Tense is all about. And that said, I'll give the floor to you, Jeff. Is there anything else you would add?
0: Yeah. uh, A lot of the people think that AI isn't coming for their jobs. They're they're not going to be, you know, disrupted in the marketplace. And the, the truth of it is, is that Literally everything is going to get disrupted. And in fact, one of my goals for 2024 is to optimize as much of my life with AI as possible. And so I just did a quick analysis, like what can AI impact? And so I have a list here of like 50 different things about my daily life that I can optimize with AI. And I'll just read a few of them off. Weight loss with AI. That's a very easy thing for uh, for somebody to build out and create. And you have an app that will be able to track you and give you feedback on your weight loss journey. Sleep analysis, pair it with your Apple watch, you know, analyze your sleep, look for trends without, throughout your day, what you're eating, how much water you're intaking, what's your stress level, all that can be analyzed with AI. And there's so there's so many different institutions and jobs and positions that can be disrupted just with implementing AI. It'll have more memory than the average person. It'll remember things about your entire life, your medical history, and be able to serve that to you. And it'll know everything about you. So the Anybody that thinks that it's not going to disrupt their job is unfortunately mistaken. And so, yeah, the, that rooftop conversation that we had was just so powerful because we're, since we're in AI, we understand all of this is going to be disrupted. And so it's it's really important for us to get at the forefront of that and prepare as many people as possible for that disruption and start the reskilling process.
1: Mm, well said. Well, that leads us straight into our first topic. You did that so well, Jeff, my goodness. (laughs) We're talking about reskilling. What is that? What's going on there? So if you haven't heard, there was a study done that I always bring up. I don't know how many of you have heard about it. A lot of you watching, Kiara, Farnaz, Alex, Stefan, you have probably all heard about this study. So I'd love to know in the comments um, what you know. Just tell me. Yes, I've heard about it. Um, But basically, what the study showed, and it was done by IBM, so very legitimate study in the quarter four of last year, what it showed that over 40% of of workers, they're going to have to reskill in the next three years. That is like months away. That's not five years. That's not 10. That's three years. What is the number of people that amounts to? It's 1.4 billion people. And this was a survey, by the way, across 28 countries and 22 nations. So in the next three years, these executives expect their entire team to have to augment or reskill around generative AI. And that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about this, because I couldn't think of something that's more wild to actually see as incoming impact to what we are doing and to what we will do in the future of our work. So it's unbelievable to see that and on the heels of that there was another study that was published and it was actually it's actually the largest study of its type. I'm going to go ahead and share that now. And I got to give a shout out to our content hacker live speaker Steve Raju. And by the way, content hacker live is happening. Jeff and I will be there. Come. Be there with us, contenthacker.com forward slash event. It's going to be incredible. We have incredible speakers. We got Matt Wolf. We got Elena Cardone as the opening headliner. So that is March. That's in a couple months, March 12th and 13th. So one of our speakers actually found this study. I don't know about you, but I love in-depth studies from legitimate sources because they really are a way to predict the future and get a grasp on what is actually happening so this study was just published january of 2024 it's the largest survey of its kind and it surveyed 2700 researchers who were published in top tier artificial ai venues and so they asked these researchers for their predictions on the pace of ai progress so this was a study that encompassed berkeley the university of oxford some various serious individuals and and educational institutions. So what they found is pretty interesting. <laughs> they found that the chance of all human occupations, as okay, you hear that all human occupations becoming fully automatable was forecasted to reach 10% by 2037 and 50% at around 2100. So 2116. However, What's interesting is these dates continue to shift forward. So as these studies come out, it's the time span shrinks. And that is because I'll also tell you, you might be aware of this already that AI, artificial intelligence is one of the fastest accelerating industries that has ever hit humanity. The amount of acceleration we've had has gone from millions of data points to trillions in less than three years. And that's why we're here talking about this, because it is truly a monumental change that's going to affect society as we know it. This is going to be bigger than the internet. It's the biggest thing to literally hit us. So when you think about all human occupations becoming fully automatable, I hope I'm saying that right. (laughs) Everything gets automated. There is a chance of that. And that's what That's kind of where we wanted to start this first episode, because I think, I don't know about you, Jeff, you can tell me what you think too, but I feel like from the conversations I've had that so few people are actually aware that 100% of jobs are up for being automated. What? Like, that's actually on the table here, you know, like, like the yellow pages got thrown out by the internet. This is so much bigger than that
0: you know when i saw okay when i first started at continent scale i thought that like the only thing that wouldn't be disrupted would be like manual labor right so it's going to be like the workforce is actually going out and like replacing your shingles or stuff like that and the advancements that i'm seeing in robotics paired with ai is progressing so fast it's taken like decades for us to get like anywhere with robotics and in the in the span of two years they made leaps and bounds to like motor functions like tactile gripping to be able to like sense how soft an object is from tesla like these things are such breakthroughs that it's not going to be too far away to where we're actually going to have that workforce also disrupted. And so it becomes very, very scary the more that you understand and you pay attention to all the advancements that are happening throughout the industry. And for anybody that's like not concerned about it, all they have to do is watch our show at this point because we're going to educate you on this stuff because it is coming. It is coming. And what you need right. to do, I actually want to read a, a quote real quick. Um, and it's actually... Uh, Nobel Prize winner, uh, Christopher Pissarides is his name. He says, the skills that are needed now are to collect data, collate it, develop it, and use it to develop the next phase of AI, or more to the point, make AI more applicable for jobs. And that is so true. We need to, a lot of the stem cell field is going to be reskilled into focusing on AI, because... We need to be able to educate workers on how to repair AI, to collect data, you know, to collate it, to develop it, because that is where the future is headed. And there is no stopping it at this point. The cat's already out of the bag, like it's gonna continue to progress at an insane rate, and it's gonna be a massive disruption. And so whenever you're thinking, even like young kids, they need they should be already experiencing AI. They should be already playing with AI tools they should be looking at ways to parents should be looking at ways to educate their children on ai with ai you know tutoring um there's so much usage that you can start to learn about ai now that it's you really have to get in on the ground floor now because now is the time. Three years is not far away at all. Like I said, it's just a few months. And in AI terms, a few months is like three years. It's <laughs> like in just like three three months equals three years. Like that's just that crazy of an advancement. And even going back to that study they were talking about, the original projection was 2060 for 100%. And now it's 2047. Like that's a massive jump. And that's just right now. In six months, that number is going to go down even more. So- yeah, that's, that's my input on that.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, well said. I want to share the chart. Uh, they did, let's pull this back up. So they did this fascinating chart showing the timeline of how AI will impact all labor. And again, like what Jeff just said, right? So if, if we know that AI is going to impact all human jobs, that's actually a possibility on the table right now. And this is a study done right the largest study of its kind 2700 authority bearing researchers from universities around the world, all agreed on this fact that all human jobs are up for automation, then The best thing we can do, like Jeff pointed out with that quote, is to get ready. And one thing we're teaching at Content of Scale is how the human writer, what I used to be, a human writer, (laughs) um, can now be the optimizer of the content, right? So it's up to you to ask yourself, what can I step into where I can use AI, get 10 times faster, 10 times better? Basically, um, you know, I was telling somebody yesterday, like, basically drive the robot army (laughs) instead of be eaten up by it. (laughs) If you want a picture, that's the picture, right? But look at this. So there's AI researcher that's coming by 2060. A surgeon will be automated by, it looks like 2050 high level machine intelligence of all human tasks is going to happen by 2050. It can install wiring in a house by 2030, if not 2029, it can drive a truck by 2028. It can govern virtual worlds. And then if we go down into some of the jobs that we thought you know were kind of robot proof <laughs> like walking around a retail floor and selling oh well, that's up for automation and this bar puts us past 2100 but i'll tell you you know every time i look at these studies that timeline has shrunk and whenever <clears throat> you hear ai thought leaders and people that have been in ai development for we're talking like 40 years when these people speak on stage they speak in an interview, they say that the level of acceleration that we're seeing in AI, we didn't think was possible for another 50 years. So that means as of 2023, they didn't think this was happening till 2073. And their minds were completely blown. these are experts that have been working in AI for 20, 40, 50 years, educators, professors, developers so when you think about that you have to take this with a grain of salt right these are predictions and this just came out in january but i mean all these jobs are up for automation it's crazy writing a new york times best-selling fiction that will be fully automated they're putting it around 2070 Folding laundry i can't wait for that i <laughs> i hope that that is sooner <laughs> come on that can't be 2070 <laughs> That needs to happen now because I would definitely open my home to that robot.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you this know, One of the things that you, though. one of the things you pointed out on there was uh, like self-driving trucks, and on C, on uh, CES is going on right now. It's a huge tech conference, and in C, on CES, uh, one of the things that was announced was Kodiak is actually. Developing self-driving trucks. We already know that Tesla's doing that, but now there's a competitor also doing that as well. So that's going to catapult the advancement of that. And all it all it takes is one innovation, and then competitors lining up around that to then skyrocket the innovation through the roof. So all of these estimations on that, it's going to it's going to (laughs) collapse. Like we're going to see like just a boom of technological advancement in such a short time that it's almost impossible to accurately predict this and. I think that the numbers that they give are highly conservative. I think that by 2047, that's that's a pretty conservative number. My estimation is like 2032. <laughs> like, that's what I'm thinking. Because at the rate that it's happening, is just unprecedented.
1: Yes, I completely agree. I think you know something our founder has said, well, I don't think it's 1.4 billion people. I think it's 3 billion people.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. That number's off by half right? And to your point about how quickly this is happening. So if you, if any of you guys have heard about the Optimus, now it's the Gen 2 version. So these are Tesla's humanoid robots that are built to function like us. So these are potentially the robots that are going to climb the electrical poles and change the wiring, um, you know, and in our conversation in Austin, I think it was justin made a joke that was so hilarious i gotta bring it up and it's like well you know this thing costs so much money right now i'd rather put old joe up on the ladder <laughs>
0: that was funny
1: i just had to say that um but <laughs> moving on from that point hmm, and that you know that brings up some existential questions about the value of human life which is We will go there on this show, guys, just letting you know. But if we stay on topic here, so Tesla's humanoid last year. Oh, well, let's see. This is the year. So yeah, so this was December of 2023. We're in 2024. So as December of 2022 is when they unveiled this thing for the first time. Listen to this. When they unveiled it in 2022, it couldn't walk. It couldn't walk. Look at it. Look at it trouble waving and the legs of the thing like gave out. We were laughing at this. We were like, oh, this isn't gonna even, are you kidding? Like it changing electrical wires and having knowledge of how to walk around a building and functionality. Come on, look at this thing. Okay, a year later, a year later, this thing can pick up a book, read it, It can feel, sense, it has tactile functionality. It knows when a stove is hot. It can like pick up and move objects. It's already working in factories. Like I'll tell you, 12 months (laughs) when they first unveiled it, it couldn't walk. So keep that in mind whenever you're thinking, well, you know, what is it that AI can do? And maybe there's a little bit of denial, which I had a little over 13 months ago, where it was like, yeah, you know, AI is really not going to touch what I do, because what I do is so specialized, or what I do is so unique. I wouldn't put anything past what AI can do at this point, because of what we're seeing. And Look at this, like you can see, here it is in the gym, just doing squats. This thing could walk. <laughs> It's working out now. Like, what? And the new hands that it's furnished with are just incredible. It can pick up that egg, it can crack an egg perfectly. And this just launched. Um, Elon Musk, the Tesla team, is saying the demand could be as high as 10 to 20 billion robots. And I will tell you, here in Texas, um, we have a grocery store called HEB, and they are right now doing orders with it might be the humanoids but it's some kind of walking robots where potentially within three years or less 90% of cashiers in HEB are going to be replaced by walking humanoids so like this stuff is crazy it's happening and it's going to affect society as we know it it's going to touch every job every role and at this point I'd love if you guys have questions or thoughts for us to discuss, please drop them in the comments. I'm reading the comments right now, so Jeff and I will do that. Jeff, there's a fellow Jeff. <laughs>
0: yeah, I actually wanted to bring this one up because it's a great point. Uh, Jeff Harrison says, it reminds me of the time frame when running a mile in less than four minutes. Once Roger Bannister did it, uh, I think you know, the next year, over 100 did it. And now today we have high schoolers running sub four minutes. And that's a very powerful point, is that we... Once one company does something, especially with AI, other companies are going to do it too, and the rate of progression from that is just so fast. So, yeah, excellent point.
1: Yes, well said, click, Joe, one of our speakers at Constant Hacker Live, one of our users at Constant Scale. So the movie The Stepford Wives was close to what we will see in the future. And my wife said, "I don't get one." <laughs> so Joe, I was actually reading a headline about sex robots the other day yep. <laughs> that's pretty wild the state-of-the-art edition of those things was just launched in december and it was very very similar to what we saw with the humanoids that tesla is releasing it went from being something completely laughable that you would never stream <laughs> <laughs> like you know the cheesiest blow-up doll in the world to something so state-of-art you can customize like skin tone, color, intonation, like just wild things. So the fact that that's a possibility is something <laughs> pretty wild.
0: Yeah, the, the aspect of that for like human interaction and what it means to be like actually be connected with somebody is fascinating. Because when an AI can know every detail about you, everything that you like, how your brain works, it can really mold its personality to really be something that you attach yourself to on such a deep level that I think that a lot of people are going to have a problem with not being addicted to that aspect of AI. And so that, in terms of like, you you, you talked about, we and you and I had talked about the uh, Joe Rogan podcast, where there was a person on there that was talking about it. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we were barreling towards a Pre-population problem like where we will have a population problem in the future because ai will know all the buttons to press for individuals specifically to where it just it will become a problem with people getting addicted to that technology and that's just one other instance that is a disruptive factor with ai it's the home it's the the family it will disrupt Mm. that area too there's so many areas for disruption with ai that we don't fully think about and consider that it's another aspect of the AI that it's the, it's the scary side of it. So,
1: and you know that it's a great point to raise. I am definitely the optimist in the room. I see the glass half full, or is it half empty? No, if it's half empty, you're a pessimist, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good. So I see it half full, because <laughs> if it's half empty, well, that's opportunity too. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, that's why I'm here at Scale with one of the most brilliant teams of groups of people I've ever worked with, because I didn't want to get stuck in the old days of writing content humanly when something could 10x my work. And so, you know, unfortunately, in that past year, the past 12 months of that journey, I saw a lot of fellow writers, a lot of fellow agency owners, either give up or let their team go and just allow they just played defense and they just let the wind take them wherever the wind was going, which is not a good place. You don't want to do that. <laughs> if you're a writing agency and AI is on the scene, you want to adapt. So that said, you know, I think that there's so much optimism I have for what you were saying, Jeff with human connection, because what I see that the robots can do for us and something really important to remember is, you know, artificial intelligence. It's not sentient. in it. And there's a lot of discussion that we will have on future tense. Is this going to happen? What does AGI mean? Which is artificial general intelligence. Does that mean sentiment thinking is coming in the end? This is a technology created by technologists, right? It's not a living, breathing, human functioning, capable being like we are. So we always have that differentiation. We will never lose that. We will never lose that to the robots. Um, so. That said, that's my belief. That's kind of where I stand. If we think about what AI will do, it's going to be incredible because now we can finally, for the first time in the history of the world, we can finally, here goes the optimist, let go of all of the things we didn't want to do anyway. Like, are you kidding me? Fold the clothes, do the dishes. What if I could take my kids to the park? What if I could plan out the next vacation we take? What if mm-hmm. I could sit and write my next book and do things that matter far more to life and making an impact and the human connection versus sitting there and doing all these things I didn't want to do anyway? So I say, you know, if Tesla's humanoids get cheaper than an arm and a leg and I can afford them, <laughs> then come on to my home, please. Please cook for me. Please break that egg. Make me an omelet, fold my laundry. And then I will have so much more time to read, get better as a person, mm-hmm. spend time with my family, have my friends over. So that's where I'm really, really excited for this to actually happen.
0: Yeah, it AI is a tool at the end of the day. Like that's what it is. It's a tool for you to use to amplify your life. And that's the way it should be viewed now. You should be using it in a way that you you dissect all the areas of your life. And how can AI enhance that and make that better? In terms of content at scale, that's with writing. But in terms of your personal life, there's other avenues that you can go down in order for you to optimize the various aspects of your life. And in, in terms of human connection, it may be, speech, like you have a speech problem. AI can assist you with that. You can work with on yourself with AI and use it as a tool for self-improvement and even improving human connections. There's so many ways, avenues to start using AI even now that. The, it is very optimistic. Yes, it's scary. The, the job, you know, reskilling in the future is just that. It's reskilling. There's still going to be work for humans, but it has to be within the context. You have to understand that it's reskilled work. It's not completely, I'm replacing all humans in the world and they have no nothing to do. It, we need to focus on that, that terminology of reskilling workers.
1: Yes, well said. Jeff was asking, does content scale allow tuning to learn the voice of our clients. So long-form sounds like them. And I believe this is John already in the comments on it. John, you're functioning better than AI. I'm kidding. (laughs) 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 AI could do a better job, John. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So John says, in scale, yes, you can train the AI to talk like you or your clients. So that's project settings, tone of voice, custom, which brings up a tab you won't see unless you select custom called AI training. That's a tab that I use. I used it. I actually had a demo with Elena Cardone and I showed her how accurate it could get to her tone and her style, which is very, very um, story-based, persuasion-based go from nothing, make yourself into something like very inspirational. So it really nailed her voice. I got to say it was pretty incredible and you just got to train it. Right. And so mm-hmm. the difference of consonant scale, we'll do a quick sponsor shout out here. <laughs> <laughs> consonant scale versus ChatGPT is consonant scale allows you to function without needing to know how to be a prompt engineer. So you can to literally just open the app, Tell it, write me a post, give it a keyword, give it a URL, give it a video, give it a podcast, anything you've done where it's not written yet. And it will write beautiful content, 100% original, undetectable, research backed. It's got a SERP analyzer where it goes, looks for data, and it puts that into the article real time, by the way, real time, it does that searching. And then of course, you can do the custom voice training to get it to nail your style. And I'll tell you. 95% 95% of contenthacker.com forward slash blog, a blog I've been running for five years, a year ago is when I found constant scale. So that's when I started using it. All my blogs, except for like three per year are written by content scale now. And you can see it has really nailed my style. And something you brought up earlier, Jeff, you know, I'm still optimizing that content. I'm still training it with my style that still comes mm-hmm. from me. So it's not like, Oh, here, AI, just write for me. And then I give it no input at all. No, no, it's learning from me, which is much like hiring a a ghostwriter. No different, really. It's just way faster and better. (laughs) (laughs) There I say. (laughs) So that's the difference of content scale versus ChatGPT. It's just way more user-friendly, and then you get that real-time undetectable content that you really don't get with ChatGPT. And Mm -hmm. Jeff said... Constant scale removed the resistance, but it doesn't sound like me. Yes, that's that custom voice will do that. And Jeff is also using ChatGPT. He shared the AI with his wife and it helped not only creating a dinner menu but the shopping list and recipes for each item. Wow, that's crazy. That was actually my first use case for ChatGPT. November of 2022 was recipes. And then I got tired because some of the recipes were so way off and I just went back to Google. <laughs> <laughs> shame on me.
0: I, I was talking to my brother-in-law and he was uh he was trying to create a recipe with just like a few items and he was like what are some random items that maybe would be in a fridge that you'd create a, a recipe out of. There? And so I was like tostino's pizza, it's like a, fro- a frozen pizza, ketchup, you know, celery, hot sauce, <laughs> pickles and it's named off a bunch of stuff. And what it did is it combined all of those together into what was like a horrible sounding recipe pizza. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, you did the recipe, but you used all the ingredients instead of making just like what is the best recipe with these ingredients. And so you do get a lot of that with with Chat GPT, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not perfect, but thank God it's not, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why we're needed. We have some other topics we wanted to mm-hmm. bring up. So let's let's go ahead and do that now. I'm going to pull up something that um, you were actually, you found this, Jeff, a Nobel Prize winner actually cautioned on rushing into STEM with mm-hmm. AI. So Jeff, I'll hand over the mic to you and you can kind of tell us about this
0: yeah we we kind of covered this a little bit um and this just goes back to reskilling and this comes down to the education level is that a lot of people that are going into stem cells or stem cells <laughs> uh stem fields right now are going into it with the with ai not being a factor and the, the point of the matter is is that ai is here now and it has advanced to the point to where it's going to cause job, job displacement and people are going to have to reskill to where it doesn't make sense to go after the traditional stem fields it goes it makes more sense to go after things that allow you to aid in ai development um so that that is really the the lens that young people going into the workforce they're eventually going in the workforce should be looking through that lens of like ai is here to stay and it's going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger and cause more job displacement so in order to get in the forefront of that and this this comes down even to like the research i know mm-hmm. inside yeah. of that previous study that we looked at um they had stated that it was i think it was like 2080 there was like a ai researcher and 2060 ai ai researcher and The fact of the matter is, is that that's a lot sooner than we think. I don't think that's 2060 at all. Yeah. And coming from from Christopher, he, he makes a point of, you know, this is disruptive now. And if you want to get ahead of that and actually protect yourself into the future, that you should get into that field and that should be your primary focus and have it be AI assisted. Like if you're going to be an AI researcher, you're still there. You're still an AI researcher. AI is just helping you do the research with you. And so, you're going to be able to research things faster. You're going to be able to be more accurate with your research. And so, all these STEM fields that normal students are going to get into, it's better to look at it through the lens of AI. And that should be the message going forward, which is one of the things that he stresses about a lot.
1: Mm. Yes, well said. You know, Google's CEO, is it Sundar um, Pickeye? I'm probably not going to say that right. (laughs) But he said that, you know, AI will be the biggest technological technological shift that we'll ever see in our lifetime it's bigger he said than electricity (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that just backs up that point with well this really could happen you know a lot sooner than we know and look at this jeff on that graph the paper released here in january 2024 we're looking at um, the milestones and dates the surgeon is expected to be fully automated by 2050 that's a high-paying job Yep. My goodness, what's the surgeon gonna do?
0: <laughs> yeah. Drive and, and the and AI? That, in that in that instance, it would just be one, they would be obviously making sure there's no errors, because there's always gonna be, you know, 0.1% chance that like, you know, there's a bug in the system and then all of a sudden you have a patient that's very unhappy. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> uh, especially in surgery. I mean that you, there's no room for failure right there. So there's always gonna be some type of oversight. There has to be. And that human factor has to be there with these, these AI technologies, no matter what. We have to make sure that we are in control of everything that we do and have everything be AI-assisted. We can't just leave let full control to AI and just you know, have it run amok. We can't do that, unfortunately. We have to have some level of control. And there are going to be certain things that AI will do better than humans, but we still need to be in the driver's seat with AI and have them be our co pilot we cannot fully rely on AI to fully take over every aspect of our lives. It's just some things are going to go wrong. And the, by the point that it gets out of control, that we've already lost control of that. And then people start relying on the technology and it just cascades. So we have to be in the driver's seat with AI.
1: Hmm. Yes. I love how our other Jeff present here said AIO surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that AIO applies so much. I'm working on a. Handwritten article from back in the old days, because I still like to do that sometimes. Where I'm talking about how that approach of optimization is so much more than writing, so much more. You know, and that's why that's what future tense is all about. You know, we're are, we are talking about the content creators, but we're also talking about society as a whole, because this paper in 2,200 was it? I think it's more than that. Was it 2,700? Expert researchers across hundreds of well-known, yeah, 2700, 2778. That's how many people agreed that every single job is up for automation. So that's what the show is all about. That's why we're here is to help you get some clarity in this because it's everybody watching this right now (laughs) that's going to be affected. Um, And so there was another study that we wanted to bring up and talk about because you know, I am the optimist in the room, but I am also the realist. And I know, I know. And this is why it took me a year. Actually, I was I was a naysayer. If you didn't know me well, you you would have thought I was the biggest pessimist on the planet. Because all of 2022, when ChatGPT came out up until January of 23. I was advising my clients, I was a consultant full-time, I was advising them, do not use AI to write your content. Why? (laughs) It's factually inaccurate, it's written with errors. If you publish this on your company blog, (laughs) you'll be laughed at. No one will trust you, no one will want to buy from you. (laughs) Then I found a continent scale within not even 60 days from saying that on stage, I think it was less than 30. And then I completely said the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Because as a realist, I found the technology that solved that problem, right? Justin created it. So whenever we're thinking of AI as a whole, it is really important to be realist and to ask ourselves what dangers lie in adapting to this technology. And we have to consider that, right? That's why I would never use ChatGPT for long form. There are dangers in that you could be publishing inaccurate, misleading information And let's say you're a Fortune 500 company, putting that on your blog, that could offset millions in income. That could, you know, there are media campaigns around that. So you don't want that. That's a danger. So when we think about another issue coming up with all of this extremely well finessed, um, highly professional looking, basically fake content, (laughs) there is a lot of danger in the world of deep fakes. And I see the good in it too, right? Because we can literally type in some words and instantly we don't have to refilm. You know, I wouldn't have to do hair and makeup all over again. I just modify and then AI modifies the shape of my mouth around those different words. That's unbelievable. 11 labs can do that right now. There's software solutions out there that can do that. But when we think about the capability of that to then create fake misleading content that, you know, God forbid, could be used to harass or even blackmail. There's so many situations out there. And this is one, you know, deep fake content. So if you haven't heard, and maybe you haven't, because this just released this week, actually, um, there was a pretty big company, and I'll hand it over to you, Jeff, that is working on tackling deep fakes. So tell us about this, would
0: you? Yeah, there's actually two different companies that we're going to think about here. Uh, Because there's two different announcements for this. And it's fascinating because then that means competitors are already popping up and they're realizing the potential Mm -hmm. issue out here with deepfakes. Um, So Fox, the Fox Corporation, is teaming up with Polygon Polygon Labs um, to defeat deepfakes. That is the headline. But then also we have McAfee, which is... The antivirus software, who also is doing the same thing with audio detection. And so they're looking at all the sorts of ways that we can tackle. Uh, detecting ai and deep fakes because it is a massive issue when it comes to politics when it comes to your personal life when it comes to public figures deep fakes are a huge issue in that respect now there are tons of plus sides like you just mentioned julia where it's able to actually like mimic your your mouth and stuff like that there's a lot of cool use cases for it especially for like uh movie production video games all sorts of stuff motion capture There's a lot of cool stuff that can be done with deepfakes, but it is a core problem that we need to solve and we need to protect ourselves against deepfakes. So if you don't have like a a public license for somebody to use your likeness, then that needs to be addressed and there needs to be laws around it. And so this is that first step towards that with companies actually being able to detect it. And if we can perfect the detection of it, then we can establish rules around that to then protect everybody's identity online and whenever they're creating any media for consumption. So the actual... Mm. The actual uh, software is called Verify, and that's from Fox and Polygon. They're actually ones that are tackling the deepfakes that, uh, that is announced at CES. Both these are announced just CES, actually. Um, but it's the way that they they list it out is Fox and Polygon are pitching the protocol as a means for outlets to protect IP while letting consumers verify the authenticity of content. So they're going to let users verify the authenticity of that content, which is putting the power back in the hands of every single person.
1: Mm, wow. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. You know, the issue, what well, could be an issue that pops up in my mind is, um, you know, it's kind of like the monster is creating the monster. <laughs> yeah. Because Fox is, it comes from the industry that has lost a lot of trust. You know, in 2020, trust left three major market sectors, the government, nonprofits, and the media. So the media lost a ton of trust there was so much misleading information inaccurate reporting and so here comes fox co-developing something called verify with polygon and yep. that's how they're going to verify the authenticity of news content the question is should uh. we trust that
0: <laughs> yeah and that that's a that's an excellent question because i mean <laughs> you can label something as deep fake if it's negative press right so i mean there's all yeah. sorts of stuff that like yep. do you trust the institution that's actually creating the detection itself, which is which is good why there's comp- there's competitors in that space already that are being developed, like McAfee. So I think that yeah, we'll see that, but then it just comes down to like when you use it. it, it we see this a lot with, with AI detection in general, even with our own AI detector, where we we'll have companies like, which one's the best? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. we we understand that our, our AI detector works a certain way. We know that the when you we analyze human content, it comes back as human. More so than it does AI, and vice versa. We've tested it. We understand how our AI detector works, and we are very comfortable saying that we have one of the best AI detectors out there. And I think that we're going to see a lot of that pop up. Where we're going to there's going to be standout AI detectors for these different types of deepfakes. Where there will be the one that kind of just dominates based off of public trust, because they have tested all the various ones. They've done they've taken you know videos of themselves and run it through the AI detection and seen is it saying that I'm a deepfake or is it saying that I'm human? And those tests will be done frequently to where people have a solid consensus across the board of what's the best.
1: Mm, yes. Yes. And um, it's funny. I thought I was presenting this whole time. <laughs> I was. Whoopsie.
0: In the future, we're going to have somebody in control of the, the production side where they're actually able to pull up the articles and stuff for us because I'm actually running on one screen right now. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, if I share a screen, then I can't see anything besides the article. I have to go back <laughs>
1: I made Jeff start the show with me. He's literally all packed up to go to Scottsdale, <laughs> and he had to like unpack stuff because Julia decided to launch the show,
0: <laughs> which is awesome. I love hurrying. that we're doing this.
1: <laughs> right, it is, is it's long a, overdue.
0: It's such a good idea, and and the name Future Tense—that's great.
1: Oh, I don't think we could have thought of better. Just, I mean, I'm tooting my own horn at this point, <laughs> but to the point of. Um, You know, deep fakes and software created by mm, questionable companies like Fox to help us verify <laughs> That's a whole can of worms there. Um, it's funny, but um, it's also really interesting to follow these news. You know, TikTok last September, I was following this and they are continuing to build out software just to support this. They launched the AI generated content label and they enforced among creators That those creators using AI generated software of any type to help them produce content, whether it was 11 labs or Dolly imagery or anything that wasn't humanly generated, they had to put that label on it. And I think when it comes to video, audio, imagery content, you know, it's interesting because six months ago, when I would use Midjourney to harass team members and recreate them as Star Wars characters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it was pretty accurate to how that person looked. It would take like their literal likeness and regenerate it as that character. And then I was doing the same with my own face. I put it on a ton of editions of the newsletter I ran weekly, casual. And as of right now, Midjourney Alpha is out, and the capability of it taking my likeness and recreating that as a character is absolutely crap. And that's because Mid-Journey has built-in capabilities now to not create, not generate content that is like that face because of things like, um, you know, the Pope depicted in a puffer jacket, which highly offended the Pope. He doesn't wear puffer jackets.
0: <laughs> and like I mean, it, look, mean. it looked fashionable. I mean, the Pope styling up. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he we should.
1: Offended, but the Pope was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of rabble, a lot of, you know, angst because of how similar the or just it was almost indistinguishable how you could use mid journey to recreate someone. And so Midjourney journey now does not allow you to do that. So when I go use it, I have to generate myself like 10 times before I even like one of the examples. And like you see, like, let me pull this off here and see if i can show this on screen well, i guess you can't see it but you can see like there i shot i showed it for a second you can see like that's not really jeff <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like well jeff. Th- th- this is me but behind us <laughs> is, is julia Fake julia that we over there is fake jeff <laughs> but that yeah it, it's it doesn't look like me and it's it's almost it, the eyebrows are so th- thick and my face is like it it took like the accentuated the aspects of me that are very defined and was like it put them to the max that's what they did what it did
1: yes and that's not what it did like just six months ago six months ago was better so it's interesting to see like these companies are actually purposely Almost making the software worse so they don't get in trouble with, you know, the Pope wearing fashion he didn't like. (laughs) And even worse, like let's say somebody takes an image of a kid and creates pornography. Well, that's really bad. So Mid-Journey and image generation tools like that have to, I think, think about, you know, creating a very non-lifelike Jeff. you can't recognize them, so they don't get in trouble. When Jeff's like, "I'm gonna sue you because I don't like the shirt color I wore." <laughs> <laughs> so that, any thoughts on that, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna we'll we'll see this. It's it's gonna go. It's gonna be back and forth. I think that they they'll put safeguards in place, and then the functionality will be there again to where it's gonna be back to where it's like you're able to actually you know custom train on, a model based on you. And I think that. There, if they don't do that, that's a failure on their side because so many people use that for that use case. And in terms of film or just content production in general, it is such an important factor of business to have your image replicated with AI that it's just, they have to do it. And so we're going to see a period of time to where it's like, we're going to have a lot of pain with that, where it's like, we're going to have lawsuits. And right now we're seeing like lawsuits with uh, the New York Times and OpenAI AI. Uh, and Microsoft and all the, all those lawsuits are happening, and we're going to see that for you know the next five plus years of these lawsuits happening due to likeness and people taking the content from online and you know and using it for their own their own use cases. And it's just a matter of time before the safeguards are in place, and the rules are established, and laws are in place to where those that functionality can be built back in, and it gradually towards safe and still provides you know, an array of services to everybody that needs to use it.
1: Hmm. Yes. Yes. And I just have to shout out. Look how awesome our incoming podcast cover looks by the way. Um, another uh, sponsored shout out moment. <laughs> this show will be available. I'm getting my best narration voice. Now this show will be available on all streaming platforms. Pal- Pal- <laughs> 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 Oh. Jesse, you
0: over. <laughs> it's, it's the 11th right let's clarify we did this really fast this was a very fast podcast coming january 11th the future tense podcast available on all platforms how was that
1: <laughs> that's perfect.
0: perfect yeah we literally did
1: it so fast like i'm Woke up with the name in my mind, like the whole idea. And I kid you not 24 hours here. Jeff and I are.
0: Yep. <laughs> That's
1: why I couldn't get a sentence out. Hmm. But yes, the podcast <laughs> is launching. It'll be on Apple podcast. It'll be on Spotify. it will be on iHeartRadio. Literally anywhere you listen to podcasts, this show will be. So be sure to subscribe whenever it goes out. Um, I'll just say by the end of the week, it's probably going to be two days later, maybe 24 hours later. <laughs> but we'll just say end of week. Um, so, you know, going into some of the points you just raised, Jeff, about, you know, lawsuits happening. What's really interesting. I'm going to share this. There was a timeline done on these lawsuits. So let me tell you something. This is pretty crazy. Um, what happened last january and i know because i saw this whenever i joined constant scale and i started immersing in all the news so what happened was lawsuits were kind of scary it looked like generative ai it looked like ai was going to be under a lot of fire if not in hot water well (laughs) these lawsuits haven't really landed in fact there was a lot of loss on behalf of the people trying to sue entities like OpenAI mid-journey. It was really hard for that person, that individual, to win. However, um, in the educational realm, in January, I think it was between January and February, there was a student that sued their professor because that professor kicked them out of class, banned them from college because they used ChatGPT. So I think like this professor may have wanted to make a name for themselves. I don't know. And this professor just like went all the way. That student couldn't even walk on campus. Well, that student sued. Four months later, that student won. That professor was in the doghouse. So that was the whole scenario where, again, it just backs up the fact that I think if you look at these lawsuits, you look at what's happening. AI is winning, like by far. AI is winning and anyone that tries to go up against it versus work with it, they're gonna lose too. So the New York Times, right? They sued Microsoft and OpenAI for alleged copyright infringement. We'll see how that goes. Um, But within that same month, this was pretty interesting. OpenAI actually signed a licensing deal with a person, I don't even know, do you know this person, Jeff Axel Springer? I feel like I should know them. (laughs) I'm going to go Google them later. Oh, it's a publishing house. Okay. That's why we don't know them. They probably publish well-known authors. So they're the first publishing house that partnered with OpenAI. So OpenAI actually did sign a partnership licensing deal. And it's interesting. It's with a publishing house. I thought that was the name of a person. So (laughs) there are opportunities for us to win in AI, but it's not going to be by suing OpenAI, because <laughs> when you look well, at that timeline, that's not—you're not, not going to win.
0: One thing I do like about the lawsuits is that it opens a discussion about what safety aspects should be implemented into AI. Mm-hmm. What is the protection that yeah. protects average people? And I think that that is—these aren't frivolous lawsuits. They are—they're lawsuits to establish some type of ground. Baseline for everybody to use AI to kind of build off of, and so I think that these are very important discussions that should be having in the court of law and should be having publicly. They should be happening amongst everybody that's involved, or you know, like uh, one of the popular ones that I'm seeing now. Discussions is like voice acting, like people using Eleven Labs, you know, to replace voice actors or using their likeness or are people that have passed away. And using AI to generate mm. their voices for future yeah. video games or movies or music. And those are all discussions that need to happen, but they're not cemented in anything until those lawsuits happen. I mean, actually establish some type of baseline for us to build off of that.
1: Mm, that's a great point. Like when the artist sued MidJourney and the artist lost, well, we, we learned that the artist yep. is always going to be starving.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it, it's a great point. You know, it it brings to the surface some of these problems like we talked about being an optimist and a realist. You know, there are problems here. We got to poke and prod these problems and see what happens. And what's interesting is that when OpenAI signed this partnership with this publishing house, what this basically translates to real time is that ChatGPT will be able to attribute and link to the articles and basically like swipe their content. So here we go, Axel Springer's media brands actually include Business Insider, (laughs) what? That's a huge publication, I know they own that. So now ChatGPT owned by OpenAI can go swipe content from there that was otherwise paid content, licensed content and then link to that article. So it's interesting to see, you know, publishers working hand in hand here where that concept will now help build openai's llm that's what openai wants in the end they want any good source that's going to help them build out that llm to have more data points and then that company wins on the flip side um you know and what we're not seeing as much of is google doing this well you know i have yet to see where google's like oh hey let me Let me work with you, the publisher, the provider of all of this content. That's the reason we exist. And let me not just swipe your content without attribution. Whenever I Google some of my long tail keywords that I'm ranking for at content hacker, um, for example, like what would a content marketing writer do? What is a content marketing writer? I was one of the first ones to kind of coin that term content marketing writer. So Google's SGE just generates content. AKA swipes it straight from my blog and doesn't attribute it back to me at all. So it's interesting to see, you know, OpenAI is doing more, I would say, to step in that direction and actually partner with the publisher. And I think, I think Google will have to adapt. I think there will be change there, right? Because the publisher is the reason Google has money. Like 58% of their ad revenue last year came from search. And what drives up the competition is the publisher. So I don't see, um, it's interesting because I think we have a 50-50 split in our Constant Hacker Live speakers where 50% think that Google's going to eat up the publisher and not give them any attribution. And then 50% of our speakers think the complete opposite. So it'll be interesting to put these people on a panel and hear this play out. But yep. you know, I just don't see that happening. I think that Google will see, you know, OpenAI has pioneered some things here. They've partnered with that big publishing company. What do you see there for the publisher, Jeff?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because I, so going to TikTok, I mean, publishing videos is a form of publishing and the kids nowadays use TikTok search more than they're using Google. There was a study done where kids were, that, that was how they were finding things out. It was through TikTok. Yeah. And I think that ChatGPT is a more friendly version of Google when it comes to getting a completed task. It's going to serve you the best information, and it's very easy to use. It's on your mobile device, and it's already progressed so much, and it already has that familiarity through so many people that if kids end up mass-adopting it, OpenAI wins. And I think that since OpenAI has a stronger relationship with publishers, we could start to see formations of a new type of search where it becomes more of that completion to where actually they have, you know, joint ventures with publishers and it becomes more of, it becomes less of a timeline search and becomes more of an AI doing the searching for you and then serving you the best answer to get whatever that completed thought is or whatever completed task is. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that OpenAI starts to, you know, completely dominate search and Let's people start using Google to search and Google says, well, we need to start copying OpenAI and we need to start reaching out to publishers and we need to start you know forming these relationships and really work on our PR and that aspect of it. And we could see Google come back in, the, in a big way that way, but I'm kind of leaning more towards OpenAI on this one, <laughs> just because they're already doing the groundwork and they already have the reputation and it seems to be working out really well for them.
1: Mm, yes. Yes, completely agree. Um, you know, I think, saying, oh, we are actually on the tail end here of our hour, if not two minutes past. So let's wrap up in a couple minutes. Jeff is asking, could the relationship, Jeff Harrison in the comments, could the relationship of blockchain and AI publishing be another step closer to we are the resource and not just news outlets? Oh, that's good. You know, I would say like to the point of even the the company creating the brand verify that's going to start verifying whether news links and content is authentic or not. Well, that's coming from Forbes. Are people going to trust that? I know I'm not. (laughs) So in the end, and this goes back to that study done in 2020 when trust left those market sectors, do you know where it went? It went to the business owner. So trust was an all at an all time high in the small business market sector. And I don't think that's changed. I think that the brand, the creator, like we see this in SGE um, with niche sites. So whenever you Google a very niche keyword, like where to travel for a destination among certain islands, you're going to get a very niche site versus like Forbes.com. And that's one way SGE is actually going to favor the brand publisher, the content creator. So I would say like now is the time more than ever to be a content creator, to be a publisher, because number one, you can get there 10 times faster with AI. <laughs> I'm using content at scale and I barely barely lift a finger to blog and blog content comes out three times faster than it's ever come out on my site before. And I spend like no time there because I don't have to write. So if we know that's a possibility, and then we know on the flip, sa- flip side, trust is at an all time high. And SGE is actually favoring the content creator. Like now is the time. And I don't mean just go create a website. I mean like be a personal brand. Actually build a brand. Do what Jeff and I are doing. Like talk to people. Tell them. Show them you're the expert in the room. Demonstrate authority. That's eat. And all of that I think will get more rewards than we've ever seen in prior times where You know before it was like a talking head well now people are paying attention to those talking heads you know jeff and i can brag about 18 of you watching this show with us right now (laughs) but the point is like now it's never been a better time to actually be the resource just like jeff harrison reads which is such a good point anything you'd add jeff
0: i think you covered that perfectly all my thoughts that i wanted to give you've covered beautifully
1: Well, thank you. That's a compliment. And that's, you know, one reason we're launching this show is Jeff and I both have very similar perspectives, sometimes different, but I think that no matter what, we're going to be able to facilitate a conversation that you all enjoy listening to. And I don't know about you. It's hard to listen to a podcast when there's like a loud, scratchy person that's like over talking the other people. And I feel like that's like 70% of podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. Or I just listen to bad podcasts. Uh, (laughs) But I'm so glad that you guys were here with us for the first ever episode of Future Tense. Woohoo! And just to recap, you know, I think the biggest takeaway and we'll always do this. We'll always like land on what's your one thing. If you could take away one thing, Um, you know, Jeff, let's let's each do this. So for me, the one thing I would say that you guys should take away is. This study of 2700 researchers just launched two weeks ago shows that all jobs are up for automation and time will tell. And by time, I don't mean 100 years, (laughs) I mean days, weeks and months when we think about Elon Musk, Tesla, Um, humanoid when we think about how when they released that bot December of 2022 and it couldn't even walk on stage and now it's doing squats in the gym it's cracking eggs it can fold laundry it can cook Mm -hmm. it can do all of these incredible things that acceleration was 12 months that's Mm -hmm. it so when we look at this study and we see the forecast done by 2700 researchers saying that by 2050 the job of a surgeon will be fully automated. That's a high six-figure job, by the way, um, that, you know, I would have thought was robot-proof. Well, when we see that by 2050, that job will be fully automated, you can probably bet it's going to be even sooner. And we're just going to see a massive shift. Um, Jeff, what would be your final takeaway? Yeah. Dramatic?
0: I, this is like a theme for 2024. Don't... Be afraid to use AI and think about the ways that you can use AI in everything that you do to optimize it for the better. Not just you, your kids, your family members, your, your neighbors, everybody, and start thinking about the ways that you can optimize. You're going to find it in 2024 and beyond. This is going to be the year of optimize optimizing yourself. It's going to be the year of you know leveraging AI for you to succeed In 2024 and beyond. And so just keep that in mind. Everything that you do, how can I shave off 10 minutes or a half an hour in your day by using AI and incorporating it in a certain way? Play with AI, you know, and just learn to use it and not use use as much of it as you you can. Just go like make a list of your daily tasks and just feel like, okay, I can use AI for that. I can use AI for that. And then see what the outcome is at the end of the year. You're going to be very, very surprised.
1: Yes. And it can be so simple. I think one of the points you raised Jeff so good, um, not just do this for yourself, but tell your friends and family that um, could be up for reskilling as well. You know, I have a mom friend and she's like, you know, Julia, could you edit this letter? I need to write a letter to the school. I need to complain about the way my daughter was treated at the bus stop. Can you help me write? Cause you know, all my friends know I can write. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, what can actually do a better job? ChatGPT. And I walked her through signing up for ChatGPT, putting that draft letter through ChatGPT. And in literal, I kid you not, one minute it rewrote it to sound so beautifully said and so very empathetically put. She and I couldn't think of a better way to write it. Like it was just unbelievable. And then she sent that letter off and it made a difference for her kid. So imagine if she waited around for a writer. (laughs) So these things can dramatically affect and impact even the smallest of tasks, like writing a letter to the school. So I think that's a great point to land on, Jeff, is how can this not just help our lives, but the people we know, how can we bring it into their stratosphere too? Because if we know that all human jobs are up for disruption, that study just showed that 2700 serious people all agree, then we know, and by the way, that was just published like, 14 days ago. So like you're literally on the cutting edge of this, <laughs> then we know that we can bring that to other people and impact them as well. Help them get ready. It's going to be an arms race. It's going to be who adapts the best and the quickest. It really is going to come down to that. So with that said, we thank you so much for listening to our show and we'll see you on the next episode of future tense. This is Julia and Jeff. I'll let you sign off.
0: Hey, I'm Jeff. Bye-bye, everybody. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week.